0: tonight aren't you glad you know he was God well for the sake of reading something from the scripture let's go to first Timothy 3 first Timothy 3 as you know Jesus was not just a good man a good teacher or a prophet back one day Jesus asked his disciples who do men say that I am and they began to answer, well, some men say you're Elijah, some men Jeremiah, John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus looked at them and said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, they are the Christ, the son of the living God. So he got a revelation that Jesus Christ was God. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. first timothy three sixteen, and without controversy great is the mystery of the holy trinity well that's that's the lot of the doctrines that are taught today you start talking about the trinity doctrine let me explain to you just briefly what that is they teach that there are three separate persons in the godhead That is not Biblical. They teach that not only are there three separate persons, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, are all separate persons. They teach that the Son is co-eternal with the Father. You, You with me here? Well, the Bible doesn't teach neither one of those. The Bible says that Jesus was God come in the flesh. Okay. Now, so he is not a part of a trinity of persons, amen, nor is he co-equal with the Father and co-eternal with the Father. Those terms co-equal concerning Jesus Christ, those terms co-equal with the Father, co-eternal with the Father, are you with me, are not Bible. Jesus was begotten, okay? Okay. So, but when you start talking about some of this, about who Jesus Christ was, you get the response from people, well, it's a trinity. He's a trinity. You know, he's a part of a trinity. Amen. And they say, well, it's just a mystery. You can't explain it or you can't understand it. And they call the trinity a mystery. That's why I read that like that. To show you it's not in the Bible. Even that statement that they make. It, another statement, you know, co-eternal, co-equal with the Father, etc. And a trinity, or the trinity is a mystery. That's not biblical terminology. Okay, so if you got your Bibles open, let's see what the Bible says then in 1 Timothy 3. And I'm going to read it again, verse 16, like that. Because that's the way most people would have you read the Bible. And without controversy, great is the mystery of the Trinity. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible. Co-eternal, co-equal, Trinity. Those things are not in the Bible. And the saying that the Trinity is a mystery is not in the Bible. So let's find out what the Bible says now. Great and without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. We're looking at 1st Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, there's no controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So the mystery is not we don't walk around and say well it's a mystery we don't know for sure who Jesus was we know godliness Jesus being God is not a mystery what is a mystery is how that was accomplished and how that came about that's a mystery now I know the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary she was with child you know etc cetera, etc cetera but I'm talking about the actual event. Can you imagine God robing himself in a little baby and being born into this earth? Deity coming in the form of dust? Can you imagine that? How far did God have to travel? You with me? To be sitting on a throne, invisible God, surrounded by an angelic host and then one day move inside of a little baby how far did deity come to inhabit dust now that that's a mystery and he did that because he loves you and he loves me he did not look he did not one day in way back in eternity you know we're talking about eternity past look at his son who was already with him And say, son, someday I'm going to send you down there to those people. Mm -mm. God came himself. God tabernacled himself. He moved into that little baby body. Are you with me here? He became a man. So he added another dimension to himself that he didn't have before that dimension was humanity so that's why the bible says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness not that jesus was god but how that came about god say with me god god was manifest or revealed in what in the flesh the bible goes on and says justified in the spirit Seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So when you look at Jesus Christ, who was Jesus Christ, the scripture clearly tells me who he was. Not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not just a prophet. But God manifests in the flesh. Now, God is a spirit. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He has all power. But this omnipresent spirit of God took upon himself the form of a man and walked among us as God with us. So when you talk about Jesus, let me just show you up here if you would look. Are you clear on this so far? Who was Jesus Christ then? God manifest in the flesh. As the Son of God, what are we talking about when we use these terms, Son? When you say He's the Son of God, are you saying He's the second person? Mm-mm. When you talk about, when you use, when the Bible uses this term son of God, you're talking about his humanity. God becoming visible to us in the form of a human man. So when I talk about the son, I'm not talking about the second person. I'm talking about the nature of God called humanity. But I'm also, when I use this term son of God, I'm talking about his deity at the same time. Okay? Say, Son, humanity, of God, deity. Right there. You got it? So, as a son of God, the fleshly human man, as the spirit, he's the great eternal God. So that Jesus said in John 10, verse 30, He said, I and my Father are one, are one. Do you understand that? So that means this, that Jesus Christ, it's not two persons or three persons, but it's dual nature. There is a true dualness to Jesus. Don't walk around and say there's no duality in Jesus. That's not true. There is a true, a, a true duality to Jesus. But it's not persons, it's natures. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Not half man and half God. God the spirit of God was in him and 100% man he had a body he had a, a human soul he had a human spirit and he had the spirit of God inside of him everything that makes up man Jesus was and everything that makes up God Jesus well was and is so again it's not two persons but it's two natures when you look at the Lord all right so he said, I and my Father are one, right? John ten thirty. Look these up if you want to. I, I don't have time to read all the scriptures tonight, but I'm going slow enough tonight. If you want to turn to the scriptures, you can read these. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Amen? Now, some people say, well, he's one with the Father like a husband and a wife. Have y'all ever heard anybody say that? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down here with you because I got to know that you're getting this. Okay, because this is really important. Because if you don't believe that Jesus is God, you will be lost. You will die and, and, and be lost. Jesus said this, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. You must believe that he's greater than just a good man, greater than just a good teacher, greater than just a prophet. But you, you must believe in order to be saved. There are very few statements that I'll make from the pulpit like this. Okay, like for example, pre-trip, post-trip. If you're pre-trip or post-trip doesn't matter as far as your salvation is concerned. But where you stand in your relationship to His deity is heaven or hell. If you don't believe that Jesus was God you will perish Jesus said himself you will die in your sins so what I am telling you right now is heaven or hell it's salvation or lost that's why this is so important you must believe that Jesus was God come in the flesh or you will not be in heaven wow okay so, when, we, when Jesus says, I and my Father are one, some people try, who like to, to separate the Father and the Son into two persons will say, well, he's one with the Father as a husband and a wife's one. They're one in purpose. One in, you know, they're un- in unity together in purpose. Right? That's what, how many of y'all heard anybody say that? I'm going slow, and I'm, I'm going real slow, because you got to get this. Okay, the word there, "I and my Father are one," li- is literal oneness. It, it's He is one in purpose, also. See, don't throw that out to try to establish, you know, His absolute oneness. Don't say, "Well, no, He's not. He's not one in union." Yeah, He is one in union. He's one in purpose. He's one in mind. He's one in will with the Father. That's true. But he is, when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. You, if, you, if Jesus were to walk in this room right here physically, you would be looking at God himself in human form. That's what you need to understand about oneness. So, come here, Christina. Come here, real quick. All right. We are married. So, we are, God made us one flesh. When we got married. Okay. But you know. We're not one like Jesus is. One with the father. Okay. There's still two of us. Right. Okay. So when you've seen her. You haven't seen me. And when you've seen me. You haven't seen her. And so Jesus said. I and my father are one. In John 14. He said this. They asked, you know, well, the disciples said, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus said this, when you've seen me, John 14, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So my point is this, he claimed to be literally god manifest in visible form among men. So that when they saw Him, they saw God in human form, in a visible form. So He wasn't just one with the Father like me and my wife are when I saw Jesus. And He's the only God you'll ever see. There will not be a second throne in heaven and a third throne in heaven. The only throne in heaven, there's well, as far as deity is concerned, is God's throne. Revelation says, Revelation 4, said they saw one throne and one setting on the throne. So when you see Jesus and you will, lost or saved, you will see Him someday. It's not only the saved that are going to see Him someday. Even the lost are going to see Him someday. They are going to stand before His throne. And the only God the lost is ever going to see or the saved is ever going to see is Jesus Christ. That's it. They won't see another throne. Father sitting on one, Son sitting on another one, and the Holy Ghost sitting on another. That is not going to happen. And there's some people who claim, well, I died, went to heaven, saw three thrones. You didn't die and go to heaven. You were hallucinating or the devil pulled one on you. Because there's only one throne, one God, and one sitting on that throne. And the only God that you're ever going to see is Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I and my Father are one. And if you, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Now watch. As the Son of God... Jesus had a beginning. His humanity had a beginning. So you cannot call him co-equal or co-eternal. You can't call the body that God lived inside of co-equal or co-eternal. How can you be begotten and be eternal at the same time? When the word begotten literally means, the word begotten literally means to have been made or born of man. So he had a birthday. He had a time when he was born as a man, but as God, he's eternal. You with me here? So when I talk about the Son of God, he is not co-eternal. He is not co-equal. He is begotten. He had a beginning as the Son. But as God, He had no beginning. So you understand how important this is. How many of y'all believe Jesus is God? Well, praise God, the majority of the church world today will clap their hands and say, Yes, I believe Jesus is God. But in what way do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe He's one third God? Do you believe that He is a part of a Godhead? a family of a godhood a family of gods do you believe that the godhead is in him or do you believe that he's in the godhead I'm, oh y'all are looking at me funny what, what do I mean by godhead deity the word godhead means deity when I talk about the godhead I'm talking about the headquarters of god where God resides so is he a part of the Godhood Father, Son, Holy Ghost separate or is the Father Son and Holy Ghost the Godhead in him so is he in the come here brother Patrick come here brother Mark stand right here these are representatives only we know this isn't God the Father and this isn't the Holy Ghost And I'm for sure not Jesus as far as I am in my... Well, anyway. But here's the point. Is Jesus in the Godhead like this? Or is the Godhead in Him? One. One. So that when you see Jesus, you see the Father and the Holy Ghost. That's the point. He is not in the Godhood the Godhead. The Godhead is inside of Him. And the Bible says, Colossians 2, it's in Him bodily. The only body you'll ever see, I said the only body you'll ever see is Jesus' body. That's Colossians 2. You got the point? So, yeah, as I said, everybody, yeah, Jesus is God, but in what way? One third God? A, one of the persons of the Godhead the second person in the Godhead or is all the fullness of the Godhead inside of him Colossians 2 says it's in him that's how the Bible teaches the Godhead but men teach it the other way that Jesus is in the Godhead not the Godhead is in Jesus now, this is very, very simple, what I just gave you. Very simple. Now, and He's not only divine. You've heard the term divine? Divine means you have the attributes of God. But He's more than just divine. He, he doesn't just have the attributes of, bo- of God. I have the divine nature. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says I got filled with the divine nature. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. So I have the power of God by the Spirit, etc. But Jesus was not just divine. He, was, he didn't just have the attributes of God. He was very God of very God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. In the Spirit. He's deity. So are you clear on all of this? Everybody clear? I'm telling you, it, it, it's go- the difference is going to be heaven and hell. Because Jesus said it himself, lest you believe I am. And the word he is in italics. In John chapter 8, he said, lest you believe I am. whose I am? The eternal God. The word I am, literally that he gave, that God gave Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He said, tell them I am, that I am is sending you. So the word I am is literally God. The unbeginning, uncreated God. So when Jesus said, lest you believe I am. If you don't believe that I am unbeginning, uncreated God, you will die in your sins. It is heaven or hell. It's vital that you understand what I'm telling you today. Because there are so-called preachers behind pulpits that tell you that He's a part of a trinity of persons. Three separate persons, co-eternal, co-equal with the Father. That's not Bible. As the Spirit of God, the the Spirit of God was in him, that is, he is eternal. But as a man, he had a beginning. So when I looked at Jesus, there is a true duality. But it's not persons. It is natures. Humanity and deity in the same person of God. Give God some praise this message this right here along with prophecy excites me more than anything that i ever teach because if when you get an understanding now here's the thing though you have to have a revelation of this i can stand up here and i can teach you but until you get a revelation of the spirit you'll not understand what i'm telling you but as soon as you get a revelation by the spirit the light comes on and everything i have just said on the inside of you say that's right that's right that's right that's right that's right right." but it's revealed to us by his spirit so first Timothy 3 16 without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh That's what the Bible said. And I think I'll preach what the Bible says. Now some of you are blessed enough to have not yet been indoctrinated by people who bring false teaching to you. So you don't understand me tonight. Because you've never heard anybody come around and tell you, well, he's a part of a trinity of persons. You know, so for you, you're saying, well, of course, pastor. Of course we believe what you're saying. But I'm trying to tell you that out there in the religious churchianity of our day, not everybody is preaching this message. So, so, what makes a difference between this church And many other churches, if you're wondering, well, can I just go anywhere and be a part of any church? They all love Jesus. One key, very important thing that makes this church different and many other churches like us different is that we believe that Jesus was God come in the flesh. That's a very key and a very important difference between this church and many other churches out there. So whenever you hear preachers start using a term like the trinity, no, that's not Bible. It's not in there co-equal, co-eternal concerning the Son. That's not Bible. Okay, y'all with me? God was manifest in the flesh. How exciting that is to know that Jesus was God. You can't compare him don't don't get even in a comparison game you can't compare him with Buddha you can't compare him with Hinduism you can't compare him with Rosie Krishna you can't compare him with Isaiah Jeremiah Ezekiel Daniel Hosea Joe you can't compare him with any man who's ever lived because he was God come in the flesh He was unlike any man who's ever walked this earth. And your soul, your soul, salvation depends on you understanding and believing that God came in the flesh. Well, let me back up just a little bit. Your soul, salvation depends on you believing that. You might not understand everything about it it take us a, a, a year to teach the oneness of God to you. Okay? So you might not understand everything about it, but you must believe it or you will be lost. You cannot be saved without it. That's how important this is. That's why I can't just go join any church I want to. Woo! ho said it. if you're set in systems of religion that believe in the doctrine of the trinity, you better get out of there as fast as you can. Because, anyway, I'm not... Let me go on here. I'm trying to emphasize to you this great, great truth that we have tonight. It's an awesome truth. Man, that's where the power comes. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a dividing line. It's a separating line. And some, some people say, well, Jesus doesn't want us to be divided. He didn't divide you. Your doctrine divided you. Woo, I, said, your doct- I said, your doctrine divided you. Your doctrine sets you apart. From the rest of the religious world who believes that there are three separate persons. You're not going to see him that way. You're going to see Jesus sitting on the throne. God. The only God you're ever going to see is Jesus Christ. Okay. So as the son, he was born a baby or a son. You with me here? Matthew 1, 23. Y'all can write, write these down. Matthew 1, 23 through 25. Okay praise God Now but he is also the mighty God Because in even in Matthew chapter 1 21 through 23 the angel says you're going to call his name Jesus for he shall save He shall save I said he shall save his people from their sins, but not only is he going to be called Jesus, he will be known as Emmanuel. In Matthew one, so even Matthew one, at the time of his birth, he said, "You're going. He's going to be known as Emmanuel, which means with us, God." Yeah, woo! Praise God. So when he was born, he was unlike anybody who's ever been born. He, he was born to save us. His name, Jesus, saves us, but He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, or literally with us, God. Can you, can you comprehend deity coming down here and taking on the form of dust and walking among us? Look at the life of Jesus. You know who He ran with? He ran with tax collectors. He ran with diseased folk he ran with common people he ran with rejects Woo that's who he hugged with i'm talking about god the creator of the heavens and the earth who said let there be light and there was He didn't just say, let there be light one time. He said, let there be light, 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 light. A progressive, proceeding, ongoing word. Let there be light, 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 light. So the light still continues. And it's that God... That came and robed himself in a little baby and cried and wet his pamper and dirty his pamper and had to be changed that God came from so high in fact the most high God came from the most high place to to walk among the lowest of men to save us when he came that's the message that's the gospel. Emmanuel with us God. That don't excite you in your fire. Your wood's wet. I never get tired of hearing the glorious message of the oneness of God. It's awesome. As a man, he increased in wisdom. As a man. But as God he knows all things. And that's Luke two, fifty-two, increased in Christian wisdom. That's as a man, as God he knows all things. John twenty one seventeen. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? I said he knows all things. That means he's omniscient. But as a man, he's not omniscient. As God he's omniscient. Which means there's time that he's walking as a man, that he chooses not to know all things. But as God, he know now that's a mystery to me. How he can walk in this world and as a man not know all things, but yet as God know all things. How in the world can, can you walk like that? Walk, <laughs> that, now that's the mystery. So at any time he wanted to, as a man, he could tap into his deity and his deity would reveal everything to him. And at the same time, as a man, he could refuse not to know some things. That, that blows my mind. I, that, that just blows my mind. As a man, he grew hungry. He didn't get hungry as God, did he? God owns everything. owns everything which of us can feed God so as a man he grew hungry but as God and as a man he grew hungry let me give you that scripture this is Matthew I can't read that that's yeah thank you (laughs) yeah four Matthew 4, when he went on that fast, he grew hungry as a man. But as God, he fed the multitudes. Let me give you that scripture. Some of you are them down. Matthew 14, 19 through 21. So as God, he has the power to take just five loaves and two fishes and feed multitudes of people. As a man, he, okay, you get the point. I'll be here all night if I don't get it going here. As a man, he was a servant. As God, he's king of kings. Got it? Say king of kings, Lord of lords. Okay, Philippians 2, 7, he's a servant. He, as God, he's king of kings, Revelation 19 and verse 16. How can he be a servant and the king of kings at the same time? He's got a dual nature. Awesome. As a man, he dwelt on the earth. John 1, 14, right? With me, John one one. In the beginning was the Word. Turn there in the Bible. You got time to do it. Turn there in the Bible. John one and one. In the beginning was the Word. Right. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Who? What? His Word. Right. Then John, And then that, that Word was God. John 1.14 And the Word, who is God, became flesh. John 1.14 Became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So the Word, John 1.1 The Word was God. The Bible said in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. You got it. But as God, Genesis, or Colossians 1, yeah, that's good. Colossians 1, 16 through 17, He created the earth. As a man, He dwelt here, but as God, He created it. There's nothing that was made that was not made by Jesus. But I thought the Bible said that God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's what I'm trying to show you. That He's got to be God. If God created the heavens and the earth, as the scripture says, and then in Colossians it says there was nothing that was made that was not made by Him. That means He has to be God if He's the only one who made it. And the Bible said God created it. Then he had to be God. Even, as cre- even in creation. Woo, I get excited. Come. As a man, Luke 22, 40, 44. He prayed. Say, as a man, he prayed. But as God, he answers prayer. John fourteen thirteen. Now, here we go. Let's talk about this just a little bit, okay? Some people say, well, we got proof that Jesus is separate from the Father because, look, He's praying in the garden. Right? Hanging on the cross, He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He has to be separate from the Father, so they say. Because, look, He's praying. He's praying in the garden, praying on the cross. But the Bible says that all flesh has to pray. The scripture says in the Psalms, to him that answers prayer, all flesh must come. So if Jesus is a man, with me, then as a man, all flesh, he has to go and pray to the Spirit, to the Father. It's not one God praying to another God. It's not one person praying to another person. And it's not even Jesus praying to Himself. It's the Son. It's the flesh praying to the Spirit that is inside of Him. Let me see if I can find that for you in in, in Psalms. I'm just going to try. Because I'm just going with the flow here right now. see if I can find this for you so you know what I'm talking about when it comes to prayer. I think it's 62, 65, 2. Yeah, thank you. That's right. Okay, watch this. Watch this. So it's not one God praying to another God. It's not Jesus praying to himself. It's his humanity praying to the eternal spirit that's in him. So here what we hear, 65, too. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. So as a man, he had to pray as a man. So it's not one God praying to another God. And that really, see, that really messes them up. And I say them, if those people who believe that he's co-eternal, he's separate from the Father, and he's co-eternal and co-equal with the father. Well, why is one god praying to another god then? It, why would you have one equal praying to another equal? You see it's the it's the 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 subjected one that has to pray to the higher one. It has, the lesser one has to pray to the greater one. And if he's co-equal, even in his humanity with the Spirit of God that's in him, there's no need for him to pray if he's co-equal. So, you know, their, their doctrine's messed up. It's not one God praying to another God. It's not the Son praying to Himself. It's that lesser humanity praying to the greater deity that's inside of Him. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. All, all you Trinitarians out there don't like what I'm preaching. God, I'm being real nice tonight. You see, I got I got that kind of spirit. On me tonight, it's real meek and quiet, gentle and tender. I'm serious. I, I mean, when I first stepped up here, I was scared half to death. And I still am. Do you understand? So as a man, he prayed. As a man, he prayed. But as God, he answers prayer. (laughs) Awesome. When you know the truth, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. The truth will make you free. It makes you free. Nothing like it. His oneness is not a mystery. I will agree with you that your Trinity doctrine is a mystery. Yeah. Let's go on. As a man, He was was our sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 9.26 That is why God came as a man to die for us. Acts 20 and verse 28, it says this. That God purchased the church with His own blood. Write it down. Acts 20, 28. God purchased the church. God did. God did. purchase the church with His own blood. Now, if God, John 4, 24. If God is a spirit. There was a time when God didn't have a body so what God had to do in order to purchase us with his own blood is he had to add blood to himself he had to add flesh to himself he had to add a body to himself because he's spirit So the body that He added to Himself was His humanity or the Son. But the Father, Deity, the Spirit of God was inside of that body. And when Jesus died, through that body, the eternal Spirit purchased you with His blood. So that you've got to hear this, because I'm going all the way to the cross tonight. So that when Jesus died, the blood that was shed for you was not just human blood, but it was the blood of God. It was the blood of God that was shed for you. Because if it was just human blood, then he, were, he had sin in his blood. And he could not die for us. But as God, the blood that flowed through his veins was the blood of deity. So that God purchased the church with his own blood. Acts twenty twenty eight. As a man, he was a sacrifice sin. God putting on that nature. So he could die for us. But as God, he forgives sins. Now, sacrifice of sins, Hebrews 9, 26. As God, he forgave sins, Mark 2, 5. Y'all got it? Woo, hallelujah. Isn't God awesome? Are you getting this? Do you understand? The blood of Jesus was the blood of God himself. His blood wasn't tainted with sin. He didn't have the blood of, his, of that old Adam. That old fallen nature. He didn't have that. that. This was pure blood. This was holy blood. This was untainted blood. Never, he never did any sin. There was no sin in him. So Acts 20, 28 says that he purchased the church with his own blood. God did. Now, Jesus is the one that died on the cross. But watch this. When Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, did God die that day? No. You can't kill God because God is a spirit. Then what died? The nature called Son, the humanity, the flesh part of God died that day. Well, I know y'all know all this. Hallelujah. But I sure am anointed for y'all to be sure so uninterested un- inter- as a man he died because God don't die you can't kill God that's why God had to add to himself another nature hey, Ooh, yeah yeah as as God he arose luke 24 One through six, as God heroes. Now he's so awesome. Here's the here's the key. This can what gets confusing as you're reading the scripture. You're thinking, boy, it sounds like he's talking to somebody else. And 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 watch this. Well, one day he's looking at these people in front of him, and he said, "Destroy this temple." Talking about his body, destroy this temple, and in three days. I'll raise it," he said. "I," he said. "I'll raise it." Now, the Bible says in the epistles, especially that God raised him from the dead. So sometimes, here's the thing: you've got to see as you're reading through the Bible in the Gospels when he's speaking. Here's two questions: Is he speaking as man, or is he speaking as God? Is he acting as a man? Christ who's talking who's acting right then is it God or is it his humanity praise God give God praise so he looks at those people he said you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up when he said I'll raise it up that's God talking when he's hanging on the cross he says my God my God why hast thou forsaken me that's man talking glory to God nothing like it son nothing like it in the world nothing like this message nothing like it there's nothing like it Whoo, hallelujah let's go on a little further here the scripture says this now <clears throat> this is First uh, John 5 7 okay I'm over here on this side for those of you who are looking on this okay I can't get this any further down uh, I hope that's not blocking your vision, but on this side, First John 5, 7. Here's what it says. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. All the Trinitarians just shouted. No, not really. I'm just... <laughs> well, see, Pastor? Right there, it says there's three. Three that bear record in heaven well it does say there's three that bear record in heaven the father of the word and the holy ghost and these three are one it does not say these three are three it says these three are one Whoo, hallelujah he's an awesome God So John 14, we already quoted this to you, I and our Father are one. And he said in John 14, let me give you the verses, 7 through 11. You remember this? Show us the Father. We want to see the Father, and it'll satisfy us. Or that old King James says, it'll suffice us. Suffice us. Yeah. We'll be satisfied. Have I been so long with you, killer? And you don't know who I am? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're looking at him. So you ought to be satisfied. Because I just told you, you're looking at him. But you should have known it all the time. Mm. Yeah, woo, Brother, I'm about to get crazy here. About to get crazy happy, man. Can I tell you something? If you're going through all kinds of battle and oppression and all kinds of conflict, you just open your Bible and start studying the oneness of God. Or you go to a Bible study class that's teaching the oneness of God and it has so much power. It transforms the situations. It transforms the circumstances. It drives demons out of your way. It takes your mind and renews it. There's something very powerful about this message. It it has power to renew us. And so he goes on, and this is Isaiah 44. Yeah, 44. I think that's 15. He says this, I am the first and the last. God is speaking in Isaiah. Now, when you go through the prophet Isaiah, it's one of the greatest prophets on on the deity of God, the godness of God. He's one of the greatest prophets who write on the godness of God. And all the prophets of the Bible. Are you with me? And one, not after another, prophecy about Jesus Christ, who he would be. You with me? And so he, and God is speaking. He says, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. (laughs) No God. (laughs) God. (laughs) Woo. And so some people today say, well, Jesus is sitting on a throne beside the Father. So they know more than God knows. Because God said this. He said, beside me, there is no God. Which means he had to check, check this out. Uh, no God on my right side no God on my left left hand side no God sitting on a throne on my left hand and no God sitting on a throne on my right hand no God beside me no God beside me in front of me behind me on my right on my left above me or below me there is no God beside me I am it I'm it. I'm the first. I'm the last. And Jesus, in the book of Revelation, says the same thing. I am the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. The, the Almighty God. Not just mighty God, but Almighty God. So there's no God but Jesus. They say, so for all you out there who know more than god come and talk to me after church who believe that there's three thrones in heaven and that each one of those persons are god god said i looked and there's no god beside me Woo! yeah i know this pastor i know what you're preaching yeah but has it got a hold of you it's got to get a hold of you how many of this message has got a hold of you i mean it's got a hold of you it's awesome man and i'm not saying that to get your response pity 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 Hello. I'm just excited because I know him. Yeah. I was going to tell you something, but I'm not going to. Let's, Let's talk about it okay. Right here. You with me here? Okay, John 1, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Now watch. He said, I'm the first and the last. and Beside me there is no God. Amen. Before me, he said there. Watch this. And this is Isaiah 43, 10. That other one was Isaiah 44, 15. Or 16. 16. Check it out it's either 15 or 16 it's in that chapter i can't read this thing before me there was no god formed neither shall there be after me isaiah forty three ten. so he said before me no god formed and there won't be one after me either that's it and so summing this all up he, jesus said this if you believe not that i am he You shall die in your sins. End of story. Put a a hundred exclamation points beside it. If you don't believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And the word I am speaks of God. The eternal God. You don't believe he's? Why y'all so happy out there? Look like somebody shot you or something. Did you just get some bad news? No, y'all have to. Okay. All right. So y'all understand who Jesus is, right? Well, I might have to go on because I got, I got a whole Bible study to finish. Now, one day Jesus, again we quoted it the first part of this lesson. Jesus asked the question. See, he is concerned about what you think about him. He's He is concerned about what you believe concerning his nature. I said he's concerned. Some of say, well, he don't really care. It don't really matter to God what you believe about, you know, is it Trinity or is it oneness? It does matter. He asked the question, he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What are they saying out there about me? Some say well some say you're Elijah some say you're Jeremiah one of the prophets John the Baptist oh that's what they're saying Mm. who do you say that I am and Peter said thou art the Christ the Son of the Living God I know who you are you're not just a prophet you're not just a good man you're not just you are the son of god you are deity you are god come in the flesh and so jesus looks at peter and said blessed art thou simon bar jonah for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you but my father which is in heaven my father which is in heaven and you said when you when i've seen you i've seen the father and um flesh and blood has it revealed this to you Peter but my father which is in heaven yeah because when Jesus was walking here all of the spirit of God wasn't inside of him he never lost any of his attributes of, as God he never lost his omnipresence he never lost his omnipotence his all power he never lost his omniscience his all knowing he never lost any of those attributes if he were truly God that means there was some of the spirit that was outside of him all of the quantity of God was not in him but all of the quality of God was in him let me get over here where i can feel the holy ghost i said all the quantity of god's spirit was in him him but all the quality of god he said this all the fullness of the godhead not quantity wise but quality wise was in jesus christ's body He was the headquarters of God. He was the one through whom God operated from that time on and forever. And it will never change. Woo. Uh, Mm, This is awesome. Flesh and blood had revealed this to you. My Father which is in heaven. See it has to be revealed to you by the Spirit. That Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. And so, as a result of that, Jesus said this to Peter. Now, this is, you can read all this on your own, Matthew 16. Jesus said this, and what I just quoted to you, or, or at least paraphrased to you, comes out of Matthew 16. Now, because of that revelation that Peter had about who Jesus was and is. Jesus looks at Peter. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Why is that? Because, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Right. Just before that, he said, I'm going to give you the keys. No, not to the kingdom. I'm going to give you keys of the kingdom so that whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth is Loosed in heaven all of heaven is behind what you what you preach Peter I'm behind what you preach God's behind what you preach the angels are behind what you preach everything in heaven is behind You bind it on earth. It's bound in heaven. You loose it on earth. It's loosed in heaven Why because you got a revelation of who I am I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Now let me tell you what this doesn't mean because I mean you know, I might as well as I, I'm just preaching from a flow here. That doesn't mean we walk through life say, I pine this and I pine that and I, I loose that, and I loose this. A lot of us are walking through I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I loose you in the name of Jesus and nothing's happening. things you're binding are not getting bound and the things you're loosing are not getting loosed you know why because it's not that god didn't say whatever you think ought to be bound he didn't say whatever you think ought to be loosed what you got to find out is what the key of the kingdom is you got to find out what god's doing in his kingdom when you find out what god's doing in his kingdom then you can say what he said in the heavens and make it and, and declare it here in the earth oh yeah i see god oh yeah right now in, in his kingdom he's operating this way right now and in jesus I, I bind that spirit because god said it's bound i loose that okay you got to see what god's doing he'll make an idiot out of all of us i said he'll make an idiot out of all of us Hallelujah. So, sometimes we think we are really, big stuff, we're, big, we're tough and big stuff and we will bind you in the name of Jesus. And they go, what? Shut up. Shut up, man. You, yeah. Get out of here, man. Who are you? <laughs> but you see, if you find out what God's doing and you declare it in the earth, It's going to happen. I said, it's going to happen. And it's not wishful thinking. And it's not hopeful thinking. But anyway, let me go on. Will y'all let me go on? Man, you don't know what a miracle this is for me to stand up here and teach this Bible study. You don't know. You're witnessing a miracle right now. You are witnessing a miracle right now. Can I tell you something? Can it puts the, the fear of God in me? Teach and search for truth. That puts the fear of God in me. It leaves me down here looking up. It's not when I preached Lamentation Sunday night that and all you know, God really moved here, you know. <laughs> By the way, are any y'all emotional tonight? <laughs> You know, we had a move ah, ah, of God. I have more fear of God when I stand up here and teach a home Bible study called Search for Truth than I do anything I preach. Anything. I'm scared half to death. And some of us sit there and say, well, it did no search for truth again. You're funny. This This is some of the greatest stuff that's ever been penned in history. Some of the greatest Bible study teaching that's ever been laid out for human mankind in history. Millions and millions of souls have come into the kingdom through a search for truth on Bible study. That's why I asked God, I said, God, I said, I need, I've got to have you anoint me tonight because we're putting this on tape for people to listen to, to help them teach Bible studies. And I've got to have it. I've got to get it right. I've got to have your anointing. I can't do this. It's too great. It's too large. Too awesome a Bible study. So he, who's got the keys then? Peter's got the keys of the kingdom. But he's not the only one that has the keys of the kingdom. God gave it to his church. He gave us the keys of the kingdom. Woo, give God praise. So he said, Peter, you got the keys of the kingdom. And keys are an instrument of access are a tool of access out of one dimension into another dimension out of one room in the spirit into another room when i talk about dimensions i'll talk about he's got the keys of the kingdom there are many doors and many keys plural i'll give you the keys plural of the kingdom not just the message that's going to get you into the kingdom. Watch. He's got the keys of the kingdom, so the key is a tool of entrance, access. Okay, Lord, let me just get my mind on you. And Acts, because Peter's got the keys of the kingdom in the book of Acts. Acts. We better get with Peter. We better find out what has to be done to get into the kingdom and then to operate in that kingdom. There's one man that I know that Jesus gave the keys to in that early part of the gospel. And that man's name is Jesus. I don't see him giving it to John. He gave it to one man so if he's got the keys to the door into and of the kingdom i better find out what that guy's got to say i better find out what door and how that door is opened up and so in acts chapter 2 peter standing up with the 12. he preaches to the jews And he tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Jews came in to the kingdom on the day of Pentecost. And then 320 and then 3,000 more on the same day. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, guess what? Got to go get Peter. Modern revival is broken out in Samaria. But you got to go get Peter because he's got the keys. So he comes down and he preached it to the Samaritans. Uh, repentance. In, uh, what about baptism in Jesus' name and the infill the Holy Ghost? Y'all know the story. And the Samaritans come into the kingdom of God. But Peter preached it to the Samaritans. And then in Acts chapter 10 verses 43 through 48 we've got the Gentiles coming in to the kingdom. So you know what I think I'll start doing what I've always been doing and that's preaching what that Apostle preached not what the Pope says and not what the organizational head said but what Jesus said through Peter cuz Peter you've got authority to bind and loose all of heaven is behind what you say upon this rock upon this rock i will he didn't say i already have he said upon this rock i will build my church i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and i'm gonna give you the keys peter and nothing, nothing, nothing can prevail against God's body, His assembly. Nothing. But you've got to be plunged into the kingdom by the new birth. Mm, I better find out where the key is. Can I tell you something? How many of y'all, you got keys? Pull your keys out. I promise I won't keep you beyond midnight. You got keys? Lift lift your keys. Lift your keys. I can guarantee you, without a shadow of a doubt, that there's only two people in this church that have the keys to my house. My wife and myself. If you want to get in my house, then you're going to have to get the key from my hand. If you want to get in his house, It's Jesus. It's God's house. Jesus, if you're going to get in his house, then you've got to go to somebody that he gave the key to that'll get you in that house. Because Sister Angie, her keys won't get her in my house. My keys won't get me in her house. So we better find out who's got the key to get in his house and then operate in all those rooms and dimensions inside of that house. So all uh, all these people who are coming up with all this stuff, man's doctrine, they claim to have a key of knowledge. They claim to have a key of knowledge. But it won't unlock the door. I said, it won't unlock the door. You can beg, you can sweat, you can hope, you can pray that that key will open the door. But I only know one man in that New Testament that started out at the first that had the keys. And what he preached, the rest of the apostles preached the same thing. They had the same key. And everybody that preaches the truth is going to have the same key that was given to Peter and the rest of those apostles. If you're, trying, if you're trying to get in that house another way, you're a thief and a robber. The only door into this sheep pole is Jesus Christ. He's the only way. I said, he's the only way. He's the only way, I declare it. It's not how long your hair is or how short your hair is or how long your dress is or how short your dress is. It's Jesus and I'm not believing all that I believe that's important but that's not what got you in there Jesus got me in there by the new birth okay oh yeah let's talk about the path to across death I've been about three and a half years of Jesus walking with his disciples. Last week of his life on the earth, he goes up to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, he sees a little man by the name of Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, I must abide at your house today. That little man ran up the little tree so he could see. Look at your neighbor and say he ran up a tree so he could see. <laughs> oh, see I gotta be careful here. The whole, I'll just I'll just the wind'll start carrying me <laughs> But you know what's awesome to me? Is that in that culture men don't run. They don't run. It's considered to be non dignified. For a man to run in that culture but the Bible says when Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem in Jerusalem there that little Zacchaeus runs he's so short he can't see Jesus he wants to see Jesus so he runs he climbs up a tree he's a tax collector he's hated Jesus walks up to him and says Zacchaeus how do you know my name Zacchaeus, I must abide in your house today. Amen. Give God praise. Jesus has come here. You know that. He's come here tonight to abide in your house today. But see, you've got to lay aside some of your pride and some of your, your... worldly accomplishments. Yeah, he's a great tax collector, but he's got to lay aside all of that and and run and climb up a tree because he's too small to see. There's a powerful message in there. Zacchaeus you better be there when he shows up because if you're you're not there your time, your appointment you'll miss your appointment Zacchaeus you better be in that tree because there is a time for you to be met by the Savior and you better be there when it's your time to see him a lot of people though have missed their opportunity they've missed the time you better be there when he shows up and because he was there, he was there when Jesus showed up because of that. Jesus abode in his house that day. And it so Im- it so impacted his life, he said, Whatever, whatever I've stole, he said, I'll return it fourfold. I said, I've been a tax collector, I've lied, cheated, and everything else. Hallelujah. And I'll return it fourfold. Let's go on here. I'm, I'm just right here. I'm moving in this last time with Jesus. And then the Bible tells us he goes into a man's house by the name of Simon leopard. the leper. The leper, of the leopard. <laughs> Simon the leper. And while he's there, all these Pharisees and scribes and religious people are in the same house. That's right. And this woman called Mary busts through the door and begins to weep and cry, tears flowing down her face. Those tears drop to his feet. She unwinds her long hair and begins to dry his feet with her hair, which means this, she didn't have short hair. Now, now, don't don't get offended by that. Don't get offended by that. If you got short hair, you can let it grow. I'm talking about the ladies, of course. But she took that old bun, that Pentecostal bun down. (laughs) Begin to dry his feet. Are you awake? Anoint, maybe I'm getting my stories mixed up, but anyway, y'all check in, check me out. I do know this, though, she anointed his head. Oh, I feel good. Anointed his head. And all these religious people around him, that he only knew who she was. I don't know. Maybe I'm on the wrong story. I'm on the wrong story. I don't know. But anyway, make long story short, she said. He said, "This, leave her alone, for she's anointed me for my burial." And in that house that, that night, I'm sure there was a gasp, a gasp for air. What did he say? That she anointed him for his burial. He's gonna die. What do you mean? He's gonna die. That's what he said. He's gonna die. He's gonna die. I said, "He's gonna die." He told his disciples he was going to die. Amen. Give God some praise. (laughs) To make a long story short, we finally get to the Last Supper. His disciples are there. But before the Last Supper, he looks at them and he says, "Hmm, I'm going to enter into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So you go over there, and there's going to be somebody that's not even named who's got a coat, got an ass, and a coat, the fold of an ass. And just go tell them that the Lord hath need of them. Because I'm fixing to ride into Jerusalem. Now, maybe I need to back up with that. I don't know. Just read the story, okay? So he rides in Jerusalem on a donkey not a white stallion not a white horse not as a conquering war hero but as a man offering peace up to that point he did. He tell people be quiet don't announce that I'm the Messiah but now I'm going to let everybody declare publicly proclaim that I am Messiah and he rides into Jerusalem and they take all these palm branches down put it in front of him Hosanna blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord crying the praises out and those religious leaders all around there went to the disciples say go tell your master to shut these people up tell them quit praising shut them up Jesus said this He said, if they won't praise me, he said, the rocks will cry out. You Pharisees, you religious leaders, you won't praise him. But my disciples will praise him. You won't praise him. But my disciples will praise me and these children will praise me and these common people will praise me. And But if they don't praise me, if my disciples don't praise me, if the children won't praise me, then the rocks will cry out and praise me. There's old song I remember, I'm not going to let a rock take my place. I'm not going to let a stone take my place. See, only religious people... Refuse to praise him only religious people refuse to worship him But if I don't praise him he's got somebody that'll praise him and if they don't praise him he can make rocks to praise him And I'll just be honest with you, and I'll just tell you this right now I'll just tell you this right now his disciples praise him today children praise Him today. But I'll tell you this right now, the rocks praise Him today because every time you turn on a radio, all that stuck crystal stuff that's in there, all that stuff that's involved in the makeup of making those sounds, I want you to know He took the rocks and the rocks begin to praise Him out of the radio systems. Rocks are praising Him today. Every, he said no one who said let everything that hath breath praise ye the lord if you got breath he gave it to you if you got breath uh, he deserves to be praised <laughs> amen this he's going to go on the lord's supper and he says okay he said you go find that man he's got those that, that 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 colt and the that that ass and the foal of the ass, tell him I just the Lord hath needed them. Some nameless person. The Lord hath needed them. I will tell you tonight, the Lord hath needed you. But then he told his disciples, he said, "Go, and you'll see a man carrying." a pitcher of water. Follow him and he'll take you to a room to be prepared for my supper with you. Isn't that interesting? God said you look with a man with a pitcher. That's very rare also. See, there's all kinds of rare things happening in this last week of Jesus. See, normally men don't carry water pitchers. Women carry water pitchers. But he said, remember this, remember Aquarius. Yeah. God. The man's going to be the one that pours out his water, his spirit on the day of Pentecost. So follow the man with a pitcher in his hand. The age of Aquarius is the time when God poured out the water of the spirit. That's why very uniquely a man was carrying a water pitcher in that final week of Jesus. Give God some praise. (laughs) And follow him. He'll show you a room. There's gonna get ready, get ready for the Passover. They're gonna have the Last Supper. And so they found they saw that man carrying that water pitcher. They go into an upper room where Jesus has the Last Supper with his disciples. Right here. Now, what's interesting about this Last Supper. Is that his disciples' feet are filthy. They're walking through the streets. Normally, the host or the servant of the house would gird themselves and wash their guest's feet. John, you and Peter are the host of the supper. You should be the first ones to humble yourselves and bow down and wash your brother's feet and serve him. But because you think too highly of yourself to stoop to the lowly. Since all you want to do is sit around this table and talk about who's going to be the greatest, he said, I'll show you who is great. He, said, he didn't say, I'm going to show you who will become great. He said, I will show you who is great. He that is servant of all is great. Yes, Not will become great, but is great. And so by example, he girded himself with a towel. He dropped down on his feet. He walked over to a big old rugged fisherman by the name of Peter. And he began to wash Peter's feet. Peter says at first, "No, nope, you're not gonna wash my feet." Jesus said, "If I wash you not, you have no part with me." Peter said, "My hands, my feet, oh yeah." Jesus said, "No, no, 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 no. Your feet's the only one I need to wash. The rest of you clean. I just gotta wash your feet." Oh, okay, go ahead, Lord. And so Jesus, the king of the universe, God God come in flesh. I'm telling you how far did he come. I ask you today how far he came. He stooped down and he literally became a servant. He became a slave. And so he went so low that he washed his own disciples dirty, filthy. as an example to us, that we are supposed to serve each other. And when we serve each other, when we humble ourselves, in our mind we think we're great humbling ourselves to the low. That's when we're great. Can I tell you something? Brother, when you serve her, when your wife serves her and the children that you have, when you serve your wife, that's when you become great when you serve that little girl that's when you become great in the eyes of God and yes i do know you i do recognize that you are not just a servant to her but you are authority over her and must raise her in the things of God but i'm telling you today that some of us need to get a revelation of service because whenever i understand this it will help me to serve my wife It'll help me to serve my little boy and serve my little girl instead of getting upset when they have something they want me to do. My, uh, you're getting on my nerves. Get out of here. Oh, you, oh, you're not hearing me right now. If I can understand that somehow when I can, if, if I think I'm better than they are, if I think I'm greater than they are, that when I stoop down and I serve them, that's when I am great, not when I'm going to become great. And God said, I'm. Jesus said, God, that's right. God said, I have given you an example of what you're to do to each other. And he doesn't mean that we have to all the time get together and literally wash each other's feet. We do that, and that's powerful. We believe in a little foot washing. But what he's really saying is this. Learn to serve. Because if you learn to serve, you're not going to become great. But you are great in the kingdom of God. And I've left you an example. Jesus, God himself, said, okay, Peter, John, you're the host, but this is beneath you. I'll do it then. I'll do it. The organization that I was once a part of, whenever you became ordained, you know what they'd give you? They'd give you a towel. as a symbol of your ministry this is what ministry is about that's what they would say so if you have desire to be great serve I'm telling you tonight I'm not worthy to preach this but I've got a revelation of it and I want to walk in it I said, I want to walk in it, to be served or to serve. Jesus said, "To be served makes you the to serve it makes you the greatest in the kingdom of God." Give God praise. And so, after he washes his disciples' feet. Them. They're over here talking to me. Can you imagine this? This is his final hours. And the disciples are all fussing and fighting about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Who's going to sit on his right hand? Who's going to sit on his left hand? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And so Jesus said, I'll show you who's the greatest. Or was it served? And in the midst of all this fussing and fighting, could not they get a revelation of the fact that this is his final hours with them before his death? And all they can do is fuss and bicker and be jealous about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And it's his final hours before the cross. Him, he says there's one among you right now who will betray me what betray you oh Jesus how can that be one from among us one from the midst of us will betray you how can that be they really you know it, the way the story reads it's like they they, they didn't really hear what he said because they I don't I don't think they could grasp the fact brother that the he was going to be betrayed by somebody in their midst. And he says, Jesus says this, He that drips gives the salt in the dish with me, He it is that would trade the Son of Man. God. And just about that time, he dips into that, that lamb and that gravy, that salt, that bread, and Judas at the same time does it Jesus looks at him and says, what thou doest do quickly. Judas rises up. He walks out the door and the disciples still don't get it. Well, Jesus must be sending him on some business to take care of. They still don't get it that Judas is the betrayer of the son of God can't believe it the Bible says when Judas Iscariot gets up he walks out and behold it was dark he walked out on the light of the world You see, and uh, we need to get a hold of this message tonight because this man sat with Jesus. This man ate with Jesus. This man cast out demons with the rest of the apostles. He walked with Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus. He was in the church, you know. But he walked out of the church. Walked out of the light of the world. And behold, it was dark. That's what would happen to any of us if we walk out on the Lord. We walk out. We walk away from the light of the world. And behold, it is dark. Not just natural darkness, but spiritual darkness. Jesus said he was a devil. The devil came and possessed him. His disciples going around the table they're saying, is it I? 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 I?" Because even they understood that the possibility was still in them to betray Him. Judas leaves. They still don't get it. And after that, Jesus administers the Lord's Supper to them. Judas did not partake of it. They were observing the Passover meal here, but Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. He takes the cup, which represents his blood. He takes the bread, which represents his body that was broken for us, and we'll get to that in a minute. And he observes the Lord's Supper with them on that night. But Judas wasn't there. He could not be there.